Coming up on the Hoofines, we're diving into the Brooklyn Nets situation. It's not fun to talk about. It's something we did not want to do, but they forced our hand. And as an NBA podcast, we felt like we kind of had to do it. Uh, so we did it. And you can stay tuned to get all of our takes on what is going on down in Brooklyn. Uh, we originally planned on recording a regular podcast this week, uh, but we decided to push that to next week and drop this instead. Uh, and since we originally planned on doing a regular podcast, I didn't drop a Sunday size up this week, so this will take the spot of that. Uh, we have our NBA talk coming up soon, but I thought I would, uh, at the top of this pod, kind of check in uh, the futures markets and fantasy basketball, just like I promised I would every one of these. So I'll keep my deal to you guys. Uh, the first thing I thought was worth mentioning is just the rookie of the year market and how Paolo has just taken over. I mean, we knew it would happen. Uh, last time we recorded, I think he was minus 200, uh, but now he's all the way to minus 800. Uh, Benedict Mathurin, uh, someone we also liked, uh, is really the only other name in the race right now. He's also averaging near 20 points per game, but he's plus 600. Uh, like I said, Paolo, minus 800. So it's been interesting to see how he's kind of basically took it over, that whole, whole thing. Uh, most improved. Last time I talked, I talked about how Laurie Markman was undeserving of being near the top of the list of most improved candidates, but the Jazz continue to win, and Laurie Market is rightfully plus 550, and I mean, at this point, the thing about Laurie is he was like, pretty good last year in Cleveland. He doesn't have the numbers he has now, uh, but he he was a lot better last year. Uh, it was the best year of his career, and now he's taken a whole other leap. I just can't buy in, man. I really just don't see the Jazz continuing throughout the whole year. Uh, you have Shea Gilgis Alexander and Tyrese Maxey, the one and two. Uh, Tyrese Maxey to me makes more sense. We kind of predicted that uh, before the year started, how we will most likely see him as one of the favorites, and Tyrese Albert is. SGA is a weird one, though. I mean, he's always been amazing. Why is he the favorite at plus 350? That's crazy to me. The Thunder aren't anything special because of him. Uh, he's really, really good, and he always has been. I don't really understand the one there. Uh, the coach of the year buzz for Will Hardy as the favorite now makes sense. I mean, again, they just keep winning. If they do somehow find themselves at the top of the playoffs, uh, Will Hardy is going to be deserving of that award. I still, again, don't think it's happening, but we will see. Uh, then here we go. The most imp- uh, the most uh, interesting uh, award market shift since the last time we talked is the sixth man of the year. Uh, Russell Westbrook, now your favorite, transitioning to the bench for the Lakers, is now plus 150, and he's looked really, really good since he's moved to the bench. Uh, Jordan Poole and Christian Wood, our other two favorites, uh, have kind of been off to slow starts ever since we last recorded. Uh, Poole's been pretty bad. The Warriors have been bad. Christian Wood isn't getting as many minutes as we thought off the bench for the Mavs and hasn't been performing and is now hurt. Uh, so Russell Westbrook might be it might be his award to lose at this point. Uh, there's always the possibility he gets traded and starts again somewhere else or just gets benched altogether and doesn't end up playing. But right now he's thriving in a bench role, and I'm excited to kind of see uh, how it plays out for him. Uh, then MVP, I mean, it's Giannis's to lose right now, uh, the, because the Bucks are so good and dominant, and they're only losing when he's not playing at this point. Uh, but Luca is right there with him. I mean, he's averaging north of thirty points per game. It's absolutely incredible what he's doing. Giannis is plus two ninety, Luca is plus three hundred. I wouldn't bet on either of them right now. Uh, there's just it's hard to see where voters are going to lead. 
but if I had to pick, I'd pick Giannis just because I think the Bucks are going to finish as the one seed in the East. And then you have Tatum and Morant, two guys we were very high on before the year as the three and four spots, and rightfully so. I mean, I think either one of those guys can end up winning. Uh, over in the fantasy basketball landscape, just a couple quick names I wanted to drop. Uh, most people probably already have them on their radar or have, but I wanted to make sure I mentioned them quickly uh, just to make sure, you know, we're on top of things. Just two names, nice and quick. Uh, the first one being uh, D'Anthony Melton. Uh, we know James Harden is going to be missing a lot of time, and Melton is stepping into the starting role for the Sixers, and whenever he's a starter, he puts up monster fantasy numbers. Uh, this one of his first games. He had 12 points, 9 assists, 5 rebounds, 2 blocks, 2 steals. Uh, he's averaging 2 blocks and 1.5 uh, steals since taking over as a starter. He does everything, rebounds, uh, assists, scores, hits threes. He's a must-add until James Harden's back. Uh, and the other one uh, is my boy, one of my favorite players, so I got to shout him out, Chris Boucher. Uh, along with Chris Boucher, you got to watch uh, Precious Achua and even Christian Coloco too for Toronto. But Boucher is the, the must-add to me because he's the best player of them all. Uh, he's basically taking over right now for Siakam, who's going to be out for a while. And he gets monster block numbers, can hit threes, rebounds, does everything for Toronto. All right, so there was our fantasy basketball check-in, our futures markets check-in, and now we'll turn it over to Steve and John to break down everything in the NBA right now, which is basically just nets and a couple other things. So, have fun. Welcome to a Hoop Fiends mini-sode. The NBA podcast is most likely to, one, feel like they have to do a mini-sode and really go ahead and just backtrack on this season's biggest bit. That's right, folks. We are frauds. We are has-beens, whatever you like to call it. But our hands are being forced here. Let's start at the beginning. (laughs) At the start of the season, the chaos that is the Brooklyn Nets was just too ridiculous in our minds to even to attempt to cover if you wanted to bet on them, it was all over the place. We didn't know what to say. We basically just felt exhausted of talking about them, like so many people were and are now. And like many others, we felt over them and just tired. So we just tried to pretend like they didn't exist. Well, we're simply just not allowed to do that anymore because <laughs> the Nets just out-netted themselves. So on tonight's mini-pod, we're going to cover just the mess that has been going on in Brooklyn. Weigh in on it because we wouldn't be an NBA pod. Truly, if we just didn't add in anything on it, it would just be weird. And then we're going to get back to the homeland, the mecca of play in basketball, the New York Knicks. So before we go ahead and break it down, Stephen, let me just go ahead and give you a quick highlight of what's been going on with the Brooklyn Nets and most importantly, Kyrie Irving. Tell me if I missed anything and then we'll go ahead and get right into it, okay? For sure. To just go ahead and get it out there, they outright suck. They sucked really hard to start the season. Even though KD and Kyrie were dropping like roughly like 30 a night, they both looked kind of good. And as it stands today, the record is, I believe it's four and seven. So I think three or four games in on his Instagram page, one Kyrie Irving shares 
a post featuring the documentary Hebrews to Negroes, which is a 2018 documentary, which I believe was available on Amazon Prime, and that is an adaptation of a 2015 book. Basically, this is a horrible film that is claiming that Jewish people have control over every facet of society and as a whole are negative for society. It's absolutely ludicrous and it's absolutely harmful and should not be condoned by anyone, should not be shared by anyone, let alone an NBA superstar with an absolutely massive platform. I think that's something that us all would agree with on this pod and all of our listeners, I think, just cross can always go ahead and get down with. So after that, Kyrie goes ahead and is just, you know, as you should, was approached by the media to get a quote on this. And he said things along the lines of, with my nationality, with my background, I shouldn't have to explain myself. And he's going ahead and saying other ludicrous quotes like, I didn't mean to cause any harm. I'm not the one who made the documentary. And then he said things like, I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. So to round out these events, things only heat up a bit more. He That night when he said those quotes like, I'm not anti-Semitic if I know where I'm coming from. That's the quote, not the background stuff. That's the quote. I'll strike that from the board. It's the, I'm not anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. He just plays a game against the Bulls after that. It was kind of ridiculous he wasn't suspended on the spot. But he went ahead and is currently serving out a five-game suspension. After his suspension, the Nets have been 2-0. And I think just today or just yesterday, he has met with Adam Silver to discuss where he's at, to talk about the things he's been saying and the future. And Bleacher Report reported that it's going well. And that's where we currently are. The only other thing I'd like to tack on there is that Kevin Durant, his supposed best buddy that kind of got here with him, and the person that's been enduring this chaos with him for – four seasons now Katie simply asked um, was asked by reporters about the suspension he reported that I believe in trusting the organization to do what they did right apart from that he really didn't mention a lot of just I just want to play basketball this whole thing is ludicrous he looked like the rest of us exhausted Steve that's a lot a lot <laughs> a lot and it's crazy not only is it a lot there's, a, there's actually a couple things else you didn't even mention like the fact that uh, Brooklyn gave him Kyrie the list of things he needs to like accomplish yeah, before right. he can come back from his suspension. Uh, I don't remember them off the top of my head, so I'm not gonna just like list off things. But I know they he needed to have a formal apology. He needed to right. sit down with the organization and Joe Sai. He needed to go to uh, like support groups or like anti-Semitic. They wanted to go to synagogues, like meet with like, yeah, exactly. like prominent Jewish community leaders, uh, and all stuff like that, and. And there's been reports, it's like, they wonder if the Nets know he's not going to do all of that, and they're going to use this as an excuse of whether or not to get rid of him, and now, like you said, they're 2-0 and without him, and you brought up Kevin Durant looking exhausted, and it's crazy, it's gotten to a point where I'm almost feeling bad for Kevin Durant, and that never happens, and I know. I know, I'm, I'm with you, actually. Yeah, and it's it's just such a, such a crazy situation, and you mentioned it at the top of the pod, it's like... We had a bit. We were so excited to just never talk about this. No, and it just sucks. And we wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't at least talk about it on a little mini sode. And it's just so annoying because I'm so sick of all this drama. I'm so sick of Kyrie Irving. But this is such an important piece of this NBA season as it is now. 
and I, I'm not excited to talk about it. I'm actually exhausted already, but it's yes. something we gotta do. No, it's making hammer in. This is not fun. This is not anything I'm enjoying, and like almost like selfishly, and I think for a lot of reasons, like other reasons, well, that this is causing. It's just like it's, I feel like it's made the start of the NBA, the NBA season like a bummer. It's just kind of casting this huge shadow over it. But like rightfully so, this is really unhinged behavior. It's really harmful behavior. It's really disturbing to see. So you just like absolutely across the board hate to see it. And it's it's just disappointing. It's, I think you can even go back to last year with him and his extreme anti-vax status. At least that wasn't like being targeted at people and trying to cause harm to them in their lives. Like it's a targeted group of people. It was counterproductive to the whole world getting better from this insane pandemic we're going through it's spreading misinformation it's not a great thing but this is just like pointing it's just getting ugly and you really hate to see it and it's it's clearly just leading to the brooklyn nets having to force their hand and kind of change things within their own organization and it just makes me think that you actually could not have come up with a more tumultuous four years for this team and you think with everything from him not wanting to play with not wanting to get vaccinated and just him being difficult and all the difficulties that came from that because you can't run a basketball team like the way you you know you have a starting pitcher pitch once every five games like your point guard has to be out there all the time it's such a chemistry sport so, so for someone to be that detrimental to their team and for them to still run him out there I, I kind of do agree with you, Steve. I think this has to be the end of the road for them, for, for Kyrie Ring and the Nets. I actually, I, it's hard to make predictions because predictions seems like a fun thing to do and this isn't a fun thing. But I think I just can't imagine him having a future with this team. Yeah, when I brought it up and it's like there's takes out there that are like they think the Nets are doing this so he, he won't complete the checklist and they have reasons to just move on from him. But like, why? Why is that so – like the, the checklist they gave him is so fair. It's literally just asking him to yeah. do basic human decency things. Yeah. And the fact that he like wouldn't do it out of just sheer spite or whatever his thinking, it just shows that his head is just not completely screwed on. There's some things going on there that are unexplainable. And it's been like this for like three or four years now. And this is right. just the tip of the iceberg and it literally never ends. And I just don't understand how you can let, especially if he doesn't, complete these things like it's literally like completing sensitivity training and meeting with anti-hate groups and stuff and well, like, and, you, and you think too steve it's like wouldn't he want to do this it's like think are you serious to. yes <laughs> it goes back i want to go back back and harken on um i think i'm trying to say this one went pretty viral it was like the day over the day after he shared the post about the documentary and he was like being interviewed by reporters and at the start of the interview he was like here you guys go again trying to spin things against me and it's like maybe sometimes you can understand why athletes say that like i used to think it was funny as a kid and like i think like 2014 whenever when marshawn lynch was killing it with the seahawks and he used to hit them with i'm just i'm just here so i don't get fined but like these reporters are also just doing their jobs and like this is also they're kind of here to help him they're giving him really easy layups and they're just being like did you mean to say those hateful things and he's like you guys are spinning this it's like no like say no say no <laughs> like say no and save yourself and also like don't you want to like did you really mean to do that like and you know what it comes down to it's like i guess he did you know but that's it just backtrack to more of those comments where yeah he's saying things like i, I just he's not taking any accountability 
it's really it seems like he doesn't want to play basketball anymore. I I can't tell if it's more complicated than we know, Steve, or if it's just pure it's just pure hate and pure, you know, pure prejudice. It's it's really wild. No, oh, yeah, it's really, really hard to fathom and it's hard to make even like judgments on our own into what he's thinking. Right. It's literally impossible to fucking tell. And it's just so, so ridiculous. And like you he you brought up like the interviews with the media and whatnot and having these opportunities. Like mm-hmm. he they he just apologized, dude. Like right. so everyone fucks up. Even you, Kyrie, like you've done a lot of bad things, whatever. There's a chance that could have happened. Maybe he was trying like who like you if you have any platform, if you or I who have like maybe a handful of hundred followers ourselves on our own platform, and we, we we do share things a lot. We share our own pod when we post on our pages. Like, but now I really, and like, I think we were taught this a lot, our generation in college to be really keen into what you're sharing, even us with a small platform. It's like, you have to be keen in, but like benefit of the doubt, potentially maybe he just like shared it and didn't know, but like, clearly that's not it. Cause he's not saying that at all. I mean, like I was mistaken. Like, it's just really strange. Yeah. It, it, it it's just so, so upsetting and so annoying to talk about. And it's led to a whole another can of worms with the whole team, and then there's the whole Steve Nash stuff too, which is crazy, which we gotta talk about. Well, oh yeah, wait, I, yeah, out of my wow, yeah, that's a huge thing I forgot about. <laughs> I wanted your list of nest things. Right, I guess it was right as this happened, or right before they fired Steve Nash. Like kind of was like as it was happening, right? Like as he shared it. Yeah, pretty much the same time period. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, again, too, that kind of had like they were so quick to move and. They already had their eyes on Ime Udoka, which is like a whole other thing. And I, I don't know. Maybe we can before we get into like them speculating about going after Udoka. Maybe we can try to summarize the tenure of Steve Nash. I'm not sure if you have a different angle on it, but now the hindsight is is you know 2020, and we can look at it. It just seems like he was absolutely screwed from Jump Street because I think a huge part of being a, a successful NBA coach is, of course being tactical, having great strategy. But maybe, like, the biggest part is just being able to control these huge egos and personalities. I don't think there's a coach in the world that can handle just this many, this much, like, drama that they've had to deal with. I don't think anyone could have done this. So I don't blame him at all. I'm not like, yeah, get rid of him. He was killing this team. That's not That's not what happened at all. I honestly thought Steve Nash did a great job. I, yeah. I, I hate to say it, but, like – I like him a lot. He was put in, like you said, an impossible situation. And I thought he did a pretty damn good job dealing with all of it. All the Kyrie drama last season, all the nonsense this season. It's really never ended. And you bring up, like, controlling egos and whatnot. And he did as literally good of a job as you can. Right. I remember last year, he never never came out and outright damned, like, Kyrie Irving for not being vaccinated. He was never, like, trying to get the players to turn on each other. He was, like, being positive and just trying to not talk about it as best as he could. So, and when the first year they got Harden, which was, I guess, the second year of this insane net saga, that team was cooking. That team was really mo- – like, they were, like, literally steamrolling their way to a finals win before injuries came their way and before they had to face Giannis the God. <laughs> exactly. So, I don't know what else could be done? And I don't know what anyone's going to do. Now, who is their interim head coach right now, by the way? <laughs> no clue. No clue, and I feel bad. For that poor, <laughs> I feel bad for that poor soul because that's he's in such a bad spot. Um, let me see. I'm gonna. I kind of want to look it up real quick because I got it really quick. <laughs> Nets interim coach. Uh, 
Jock Vaughn. Jock Vaughn. <laughs> Jock Vaughn, you, <laughs> you poor unfortunate soul. Uh, yeah, I don't understand what he's supposed to do. And then, <laughs> and then they bring in these fucking. They're like right away. They like, want Ime Yudoka to bring in another like bad person into this whole mix. And it's like, dude, what are we doing? Do we have any uh, like idea of optics and like the look around the league? Like we're going through all this drama on the insight, and we're gonna bring in Ime Yudoka, who just had one of the biggest scandals outside of Kyrie Irving in the entire league. Like, it's so crazy. And it's not even done yet, is the thing. I feel like they haven't even finished their proper investigation of Yudoka. Like that could get worse. I think I just it was from like an NBA Central type of Twitter account. It's not even like verified, but there's like rumors growing around too that it wasn't just like the girl who he had the long term affair with. Like there's rumors and allegations that he was shooting at like multiple messages and like harassing several people. It's like again, those are like unconfirmed sources. Those aren't hoofing sources. You <laughs> did not hear this here first. Don't spread that. I'm always saying that to say that it is still a very gray and cloudy situation. So you're gonna bring that into the fold? Like, why would they even release that that's who they've had their looks on? And that is not like the fact that they're looking at him is not a rumor. That was, like, reported by ESPN. Like, they're into it. Like, yeah, that was, like, that was a, sh- a Shams and Woj thing. And, like, I read recently that Adam Silver, like, I think he had a talk with Cy or someone else in the Nets. Is like, dude, you, I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> like, why is Adam veto? Can he, can he veto a hire? I don't Maybe. Know. I, don't, I don't know. But, like, the fact that Adam Silver is even having to do that shows what a stupid place this organization's in. And, like, I get it. Like, it makes sense. Like, the guy's a great coach. You want to bring in a guy like that to, like, try and fix this mess. He does like, have a long – he has a very long relationship with uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, like, right? it makes sense on paper, like, all things considered. But it's just so bad from an optics point of view uh, with everything that's going on. You want to bring in another guy like this into the fold with who knows what's going on with him. And if there's one more thing – all right, so maybe this could be – we can put maybe we can circle back and put some like buttons on this as best as we could because it's all still so gray. We can lay it on them a bit more with Sean Marks and Josiah. But I feel like another huge part of this we haven't mentioned is Ben Simmons looks like he could start for the Shanghai Sharks next year. <laughs> really, like, really lost out there. He's not playing. He's airballing layups. He's sitting yeah, out he's, games he's, already. Yeah, he's, he's load managing. Yeah, it's just he disastrous. Got hit, disastrous. He, got hit with the, he got hit with the too small from Giannis, like we hoped. <laughs> We literally, you literally called that. You said, "I want this," and it happened. I want it, and it happened. And there was already miscommunication. There was that clip that went viral where they had like a breakaway, and like Simmons is charging down, gonna get to the cup like he would have countless times his rookie and sophomore year, and he like passes it up, and you can see Kyrie going, "Ben, shoot it!" <laughs> yeah, literally on camera, like on, a soundbite is recorded. It's so strange. Their roster is so all over the place. It's bizarre. Uh, they play the next tomorrow night, and I can't wait. Yeah, I'm hoping we can beat the shit out of them. With our luck, we probably won't be able to. Uh, but I think, like you said, to kind of put a wrap on it and moving forward, I don't really know what's going to happen with this team right now. I mean, I guess the onus right now is on KD to kind of carry him and figure him out. There's, yeah. There's a chance yeah. Kyrie never comes back. They probably aren't going to be able to even trade him to the Lakers at this point. I don't know if the Lakers – are going to be like, yeah, we'll give up a first-round pick. Like, why would they do that for Kyrie at this point? Yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe before we head off from the Nets, just to touch upon our our, our favorite uh, mediocre team, the Knicks, just to keep lingering around this dark cloud for a little bit longer. Do you want to talk about the Kevin Durant part of it a little bit? Yeah, sure. And I feel like 
so let's talk about let's talk about some of his reactions to this first. So in that quote when he I rattled off in my laundry list of things that wasn't even completely full yet. <laughs> he was asked about everything with the Kyrie situation, the suspension. He did say, I believe in trust in the organization. That's, that's, that's a, I, I, that is the Johnny Oz stamp of approval there. I like that. But without, within that whole clip though, he kind of, I just, I just feel like he left Golden State because he wanted that to be his team. And while this has been an insane team to try to kind of be the leader of and take over and, like, be the guy on, I still just feel like he could kind of put his chest out a bit more and, like, really put his foot in the ground here. And I'm not really seeing that. And maybe that's because he doesn't want to do that. I don't think he's ever really been that kind of player, to be perfectly honest. He's an incredible talent, like, an unprecedented talent in this league. But I don't think he's ever been a bona fide leader per se. And again, this is just an unprecedented situation where you have to be a leader. So I think those kind of soft remarks on it and not and him not taking a big uh, bullish statement on it all, I think that might just be him being exhausted and maybe already trying to maybe trying to go ahead and fire up his own trade machine. I don't think he wants to be there and I don't think he will be there come the trade deadline. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I think it all just harkens back to this summer. I don't know where he'll go though. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure where he goes, but, like, it's just a tough situation where the guy, he constructed all of this. He was behind pretty much the construction of this entire organization at the point it is now with bringing in Kyrie, bringing in Harden, and then bringing in Simmons and all this. And then this summer, he gets fed up with Kyrie, he gets fed up with the Nets, and he wants to leave. And I think, honestly, I like I brought it up earlier, I do kind of feel bad for him because, one... I think right. Kyrie is like genuinely like a good friend of his, and like this, yeah, it can't be easy to deal with all this nonsense going on with with him on the court, off the court, whatever. And then you have the idea where he just wants to get the fuck out of there, and the organization is literally saying no, and we don't really see that very often in the NBA nowadays. So no. having a player just like pretty much stuck in a on a team on an organization yeah. that he wants to no part of and wants nothing to deal with, and there's nothing he could do about it, and he's like the only player that everyone looks to and everyone's like, dude, you got to do something. It's a really bad spot. It's so, so bad. I feel bad. And there's just, I don't know what he does and what happens. I don't know. I don't know what the easy move is. You're right. Because all right, from like a little, like, like pretend it's fantasy situation. If you're the GM of a team that has Duran on it, like you're Sean Marks, you want to make sure you're getting the best return for him. And when he first threw his hissy fit, and told the organization you got to get rid of Nash or I'm leaving or you want Mark's gone too. He there was no clear trade for him. They couldn't. They did not have a path. You know there was nothing that seemed like clear and cut. Like we're going to win this trade. So they just wanted to still wait. And I do understand that part of it. But at this point now, just for for a pure like like just appreciation of him of him and his talent in the league. I do want to see him somewhere else. I hate to see what it is. I guess the tail end of his prime just wasted. Yeah, and it's like you. I don't know where that. You fault him for putting it all together, but at this point, you almost have to sympathize with him. And it, you think no. the Suns. The Suns is always the first thing I think of. It really makes sense for them to find a way to make it work. I feel like the Suns are the ones balking, and they're like, well, oh, "We want to give up Mikael Bridges or DeAndre Ayton." But it's like, guys, this is Kevin Durant. I feel like in well, the so- end, they both say yes to that. I I, I think the summer now was kind of cloudy to me. So again, I don't like to reference other pods so often on our own pod, but to 
Barkley did go on Bill over the summer, and he was I'm not even over the summer. It was like like a fucking like two or three weeks ago when when Barkley was on. Did you listen to that pod? I did. Yeah. Yeah, and he was like, "No, I'm not going to deal with Barkley." But he was he was on there and he's talking about how they could have done like Bridges, Aiton, and some pieces to Brooklyn, and Kevin Durant could have gone ahead and joined Booker and Paul. Like, in he makes a good point. It's like if it's KD, Booker, and Paul, and whatever else, that's that's a team. Like the Suns should do that, but apparently the Suns did not want to give up Bridges and Aiton and whatever. It, so that was kind of silly. I think that could have been a solid just trio and work with whoever yeah i think they could eventually come around on something like that uh i could see something like that happening other teams... i don't know anymore any though because now that the season started and the suns are doing great again like that i think they would be a little hesitant to just like blow things up a bit i don't know i still think they're they don't have a good relationship with deandre Ayton. i think there's still some stuff going on there i don't think they'd have much of a reason to be like all right we need to keep deandre i know cam right. cam johnson's hurt now so maybe you ship him off Whatever, like yeah, I I could definitely see an avenue where they figure something out there. I'm with you on that. It's just something I do hope is resolved soon. Because I love I love this league and I love when this league is positive and just doing positive things. A really f- fun thing that was pretty insane and definitely unprecedented in a good way. Every team played last night, which means no teams play tonight. But it was in their effort to go ahead and get everyone out to vote for the midterm elections. I I believe a lot of NBA stadiums had kind of converted themselves into voting centers, which is an awesome thing to make voting much more accessible for people. We'd love to see that. Yeah. It's good when good things happen in the NBA. That's what I want to always defend and advocate for this league being a probably modern, progressive league, and I hope it continues to stay that way. Yeah. So, I mean, the way it ends from the hoop fiends anyway, Kyrie, it's impossible to tell what's going to happen with this guy. He could be done as a net. He could return eventually after completing his checklist. Who knows? And genuinely, who the fuck cares? That's where I'm leaving it. I'm with you, man. I do care, and I'm very interested in the way that one Jalen Brunson has affected New York's one and only team, in my eyes, <laughs> playing right above Penn Station, the New York Knicks. Um, Yeah, it's it was a very typical start for us where – Again, we had – I feel like we always go into overtime to start off the year. We went, we had an overtime win that was really exciting. What has been different, though, and I have even surprised myself a bit, is just how much of a difference Brunson's made. It's been awesome just to see having a true point guard. No, I mean, he's taken so much pressure off of Julius, off of the rest of the team, just having somebody yeah. who knows what they're doing with the ball in their hands at all times. And you could literally tell just the impact he has on and I think off the court on everyone in that locker room. The whole coaching yeah. staff trusts him. It's just like it couldn't be more of a perfect fit. And I get it. We're five and five. Like we're still not that good. But you know what? We're an eight seed. Like that's all I want. I just want to make the playoffs and like fight and give a shot. And we couldn't do that last year because Julius had to do too much. And now he's helping us actually compete. No, it's awesome to see. I do want to see more out of RJ. There's moments where I'm watching this. I'm like, hmm, why was I so gung-ho about keeping RJ over Donovan? I think I got really into that once Donovan slipped out of our hands. Like, imagining Donovan on this team, constructed with Julius and Jalen and Mitch and just some of our younger guys. I knew we've had to, we would have had to give up some of them, but it's just been wild to see how good he's been with Cleveland. But again, I can't have buyers remorse too soon. Obi's been awesome in the minutes he's been getting. Man, he just looks explosive and so much more comfortable out there. He is like the microwave guy right now. 
I love whenever we have to sub him in. I just want to see him getting more minutes. Thibodeau is being a little bit more leaning towards playing the younger guys and giving them minutes, just simply because he doesn't have, like, the Alec Brooks anymore to throw in there and, like, other frustrating characters. I just want to see him lean into it, like, even more. Right. Obi's looked, like, really good this season. I've been really impressed with some of the stuff that Obi's done. Yeah. He's shooting 42% from three, and that's been one of my biggest critiques of Obi's. Like, he needs to really work on that three-point shot if he wants to help us. And it's getting to the point where he's shooting so well from three, he might be able to be on the court with Randall a lot more. And I've been clamoring for that, having Julius and Obi play together. I think it really could work. Both kind of complement each other. They both can kind of shoot a little bit. And maybe a less, a little bit less Mitchell Robinson, a little more Hardenstein, too, because Hardenstein's pretty fucking good. He's a laser. But yeah, it's nice having a lot of depth. I feel like our team has genuinely like a lot of just good players. I think at that point, it's, it's helping us be a solid team. I you wonder, there's just one move away. I feel like we could just package some of these guys and get like a nice star. It doesn't need to be a superstar, but just someone good. And we could really, really make a run at like a four or five seed. But it's, no. it might not be the right time. Maybe we, we got to wait till SGA actually wants out but you have to wait for an upset star and like as we learned that happens way more often than you think it happens a lot it happens a lot more often just hopefully it's not anthony davis <laughs> no no we i know that we don't want that at all the wolves just locked in kermit to a big contract right yeah they did that would be so fun because he's like this sucks <laughs> so yeah. i don't want to play with rudy <laughs> he's already getting bored i mean look what it did to donovan we're going to go ahead and get like into the league at whole on our next episode once we are a full reunited trio of fiends, once Rise back. But before we run, I, I know you want to go ahead and just talk about just how when we first reacted to the season starting, it was like a joke that the Jazz were still doing. <laughs> like, here we are again. Do you want to round out tonight's mini pod with that, Steve? Well, they're the one seed, dude. What is going on? And I think yeah. every time I've hopped on Mike on a hooping setting this year, I've been like, yeah, the Jazz will come back down to earth. But they are literally still the one seed. Game after game, Lori Markinen looks like Pete Kristaps Porzingis out there. Maybe even better. He looks like an absolute star. And their whole team of misfits is just coming together and forming this crazy... It doesn't make any sense. It's nuts. We may see some unprecedented tanking where uh, Tanninge has to step in and truly just like pull Will Hardy aside and be like, you have to calm down. <laughs> this is incredible. We're really learning, too, the Celtics got rid of the wrong guy. Like, Will Hardy's killing it. Yeah, if they, imagine they kept him around. That could have been amazing. They have nothing. They're playing this team. Again, too. I feel like I kind of – it's just they've just simply kept winning. I think we were talking about these points on the first uh, – our first reactions to the season. I think this is true why, why they're still doing well. I mean, like, Sexton is balling out, too, and like and Laurie truly has, like, taken a leap and just proven to be the, the player that we thought his potential could be. So that's really what's going on. But I think it is just a case of these guys have nothing to lose. They know, like, they don't, their future's uncertain, so they're playing every game like it's a playoff game. Yeah, and it's just some – I keep saying it's a matter of time, but it might not be anymore. I think – Unless these guys get traded, I think they're going to keep winning because I just think they're all bought in. Well, so I'll, let me ask you this before before we close things out: Is there a way where this could be a good thing for them? I don't know though. Like, <laughs> I, I think it's boosting the trade value of literally everyone on their team. Okay, Clarkson, Kelly Olynyk, Jared Vanderbilt, Mike Conley, like all these guys, nobody would have wanted. But now, back, like, having like Lori and Colin act as tank leaders, and you got to think that Danny like is like uh, is like salivating over Victor. 
I, yeah, I think it's too late. I think they almost have too many wins already to get Victor at this point. Like they nine is like too many. <laughs> I don't well, the know. Spurs they, are good. Yeah, the Spurs in the same similar vein, but like they're five and six. Like it's they're falling back. To, they've lost four in a row. Like it's a little bit more as what we expected. Uh, but the they're the Spurs are competing and still losing, whereas the the uh, Jazz are competing and winning every game. It's bizarre, man. But yeah. And then meanwhile, you have teams like the Warriors and Heat who just can't win a game, no matter what happens. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think when I look at those teams, I think I think it's easier to get excited about bad teams doing well than it is to actually buy into great teams doing poorly. I'm so quick to go, no, they'll be fine. But maybe there's a reality where they're also going to be going like through some struggles throughout the whole season. Yeah, it's and it's crazy too because ne- neither of them is really dealing with any major injuries. I think it's a little, little too early to overreact. Uh, like you said, we'll be back next week for a full-on NBA yeah. pod, and if either team is still struggling, we'll do a deep dive into them to see like what the hell's going on with the Warriors and Heat because right yeah. now it's like a, it's like a maybe like a five on the panic meter, but if they're still this bad next week, it might be like an eight nine. So get it up there. But for the first time. Let's have a mini show to lead right into our true pod. We love it, the big of pods to say, all right, next week, what do we want to come back and circle on and talk about? And we just go ahead and get into whatever. But truly, next week, let's go ahead and take a big look right at the Warriors and the Heat and see if they're making any improvements because they're looking like they have just seemed exhausted all year so far. So let's see if they find some energy. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, this, these things are not easy to work through. I appreciate you going ahead and chewing through some of the not-so-fun NBA stuff with me here. Looking forward to getting back to the fun stuff. Yeah, this part, sure. as always, is brought to you by the man behind the mic here, Steve. You are running the ship and keeping this network what it is. We're loving it. It is a great time to be a fan of the Hoop Fiends. We have a ton of good stuff for everyone to always be listening to. I appreciate that. And at Hoop Fiends Pod is where you can catch it all. Um, and as I think John could agree with me. Riley would agree with me if he's not uh, listening or if he listens to this at any point. This is it. Nets, we're done. We gave you your little mini-sode. And unless, unless Kevin gets traded or something else crazy, crazy happens, we're done with you. No more. Like This was our. This is it for you guys. We're done with the Nets. That's it. Good night. Thanks, John. And for everyone else listening, we will catch you guys next time. Hey, buddy.